Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Jesus, as he's beginning his earthly ministry, is tempted by the evil one. He's been in the wilderness for 40 days, fasting and praying. And the devil comes at a point of weakness. It says, afterward he was hungry. I I think so. If you've been 40 days without food, I would think you would really would be hungry. Uh, And the devil begins to tempt him. And three times Jesus responds with the word of God. Uh, Matter of fact, one time Satan even uses the word of God as part of the temptation. He takes it and he twists it. For his purpose of temptation. And Jesus recognizes the error in that word. And he responds with another scripture that shows the will of God. I'm convinced that you and I need to know the word of God. Uh, We need to hide it in our hearts, as David said, so that we won't sin against God. There's nothing more important in your spiritual life, and I believe in life in general than to be in the midst of the Word of God and to grow in your understanding of it. Jesus said this, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Do we believe that? If we believe that, I'll tell you what we'll be doing. We'll be in the Word of God. Because what we believe is shown by what we do. I believe the most important thing for marriage is the Word of God. I believe the most important thing for raising kids is the Word of God. I think the most important thing for business is the Word of God. You say, well, preacher, that sure is a narrow-minded view of the world. Well, call it narrow-minded if you want to, but I have seen time and time again how God has blessed His Word. And I want to tell you something. I I have seen... As God has has planted his word in my heart, and as I've tried, I've not been perfect, but as I've tried to follow him, I have seen that God has blessed me through his word. He's blessed my family through his word. I believe he's blessed this church through the word of God. And I believe he'll bless you through the word of God if you'll be in it. Uh, This is why uh, being in a regular daily time with God is so important. Be in the word of God. But it's also why church is so important. Because we get together partially for the fact that we can encourage each other in the Word of God. But also so that we can discuss and study the Word of God together. As we go into time of Sunday school and we study the Word of God. Guess what? If you're a little bit off on something, somebody else can say, Hey, have you thought about this? Or uh, have you ever considered it from this perspective? And, and, and the light bulb can come on. And listen, I mean, it can make a huge difference in your life. Have you ever had one of those moments where you just, the light bulb came on? Um, one of those light bulb moments for me was in the, reading the five love languages. I was reading about the gift, the acts of service love language. And I recognized that that's the language my wife spoke and that I wasn't speaking that language to her. And the light bulb came on. Wow. And I began to act in a different way. and It made a huge difference. I want you to know something. Sometimes just a little nugget of truth can make a huge difference in your life. Really. And so um, we need this. And so if you can tell, I'm a little passionate about this. 
I don't normally spend this much time talking about how much we need. But this is so important. Now, the scripture we're going to look at today is the, the first instance of the devil's temptation of a human being. Now, I want you to see the setting. The setting is there's no sin in the world. Adam and Eve have a perfect marriage. Can you think about that for a second? Perfect. Some people say, we never argue, you're lying. (laughs) I know your marriage isn't perfect. None of our marriages are. Listen, they had a perfect marriage. They had no problems. They had no bad news. They had nothing to discourage them. Can you just try to wrap your mind around that for a second? The situation that they were in is unlike anything that we have ever experienced. And yet into the midst of that come the deceiving words of the evil one. And what does he do? Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He stole their perfect situation They begin to die. They immediately died spiritually. They begin to die physically. And he destroyed the sweet fellowship that they had with God in the garden through his deception. Can I tell you that's exactly what he wants to do to you? That's exactly what he wants to do to your family. That's exactly what he wants to do to to our city. He's a destroyer. And he works in deception. And so he deceives them through several different means, which we're going to talk about here in just a second. But I I believe that as God's people, we need to have the Word of God in our hearts so that we will know how to respond to the evil one when he tempts us and comes into our lives to lead us astray. The time of my message is Satan's strategy of deception. Let's begin reading in verse 1. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. But about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. No, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Then the woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of the fruit and ate and she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. Satan's strategy of deception. How does he deceive us? Well, the first thing he does is he tricks us. He tricks us. He is cunning. He is deceptive. Um, Some people look at this scripture and they say, You know what? I think that's a bunch of nonsense. Animals don't talk. Did you know the Bible agrees with that statement that animals don't talk? Matter of fact, there's only two instances in Scripture where animals talk. One is where the donkey speaks to Balaam. And the Bible says God opened the donkey's mouth. I'm not sure what that means. 
But it was really funny when the donkey ends up being smarter than Balaam. And he begins to give him instruction. Uh, God has, I, I think God has a sense of humor. But nothing is said here about how the serpent talks or why the serpent talks. And if you look at the chapter as a whole, you may think, well, what in the world is this? What's, what's happening here? We know from looking at the rest of Scripture that this is the enemy here. He is called the serpent. But I believe that this animal, animals do have an ability, I think, to respond to God or to reject God. There's some examples of that. For example, God tells the animals to go to Noah, to the ark. You remember that? And they go to the ark. By the way, also, God gives laws about animals in, in, the, in the law in the Old Testament. And uh, in one place, he says, their blood will be upon them. And so he is holding an animal responsible. I won't get into all the details of that. But I say that to say this. I believe this serpent is a literal animal because the Bible says later on that God holds him responsible and there's a curse that goes with that. But I believe that he chose to neglect what God desired him to do and to cooperate with Satan. And then Satan began to speak through him. This was a supernatural occurrence. So, I say all that to say this. Satan is the one speaking here. All right? It's not the snake. It's, it's Satan that is speaking and trying to trick them. But isn't it interesting? Even in the description of the serpent, there's nothing said as to how he's doing this. There's no description given. It's just like the devil, right? He presents one thing. He, he puts this forth, and it looks one way, but really something else is happening. There's this evil intention that he has to destroy Adam and Eve, and he tricks them uh, by speaking through this serpent and by questioning what God says. Look at what he says in verse 1. He says to the woman, did God really say, you can't eat from any of the trees of the garden? Did God really say? One of the things the devil likes to do is cause us to question God's word. And he, he puts these questions in our minds. And, well, what are the experts saying? You know what I found? When you look at different issues of this life, what the world says is almost always opposite what God says. Don't be shocked by that. Did you know this world lies under the power of the evil one? That's what the Bible teaches. The values of this world are the values of the evil one. And so as he tries to teach us a certain way to think about something, he is trying to counteract God's truth. And so he tricks us into believing by trying to get us to question the things of God. Why in the world would we be so impressed by a quote-quote expert here, who, by the way, they always change their opinions anyway, right? And not be impressed by what God says. When you, when you look at what the world says, what does the world say? The world says man is basically good. I read that in a tweet this morning. Well, the problem is, with this stuff that's going on in Charlottesville, is that people have been taught this. People are basically good. 
No, they're not. The Bible teaches that man is basically bad. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The problem is sin. And um, the solution is also spiritual. The solution is Jesus Christ changing a heart. I'm going to tell you something. There's no law that can be passed that will change a human heart. There's nothing that can be done in the way of education that will change a human heart. Why? Because it comes from within. Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus says, from the heart comes murderers, adulteries, and all of these other things. You see, it is the heart that is the issue. And only Jesus can change the heart. What about marriage or sex? The world says, hey, everything's okay. Just just do what you want to do. No sweat. God says, sex outside the marriage between a man and a woman is sin. What about raising kids? God says, discipline your children. If you, if you spare the rod, you're going to pay the consequences for it later on. The world says, don't discipline your kids. Just make them feel good about themselves. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. You better discipline your kids while they're young, before they're teenagers. You better get their will under control while they're little. Because if you don't, it'll... I, I had somebody this, this past week was talking to me about a situation, not about anybody in our church, in case you're wondering. Uh, but uh, there's a disciplinary problem that is so great in this family that it is actually causing the mother to have to take anxiety medication. I'm going to tell you something. God knows what he's talking about. Don't you listen to these people out here that call themselves experts when they tell you how to raise your family. You listen to God. Don't let the devil trick you out of God's blessing. Um, It goes to all kinds of of issues. Um, What about this? What about priorities? What does the world say your priorities ought to be? Your job? Your family? Your leisure? What does God say? Put me first. You know, one of the tragedies of our culture today is that we have relegated God to the sidelines. Isn't it interesting that the the more wicked and the more problem-laden our culture becomes, the more we look to human answers to solve a problem that only God can solve. And so, put God first in your life. Listen, your kids need sports activities. That's great. It builds character. Let them play sports. If your kids need school, absolutely, they need school. I, I value education. They need that. But I'm going to tell you what your children need more than anything else is God. And they need to understand the truth of his word. And when you bring up a child in the way he should go when he's old, he won't depart from it. That's the way it generally works in life. Invest in the things of God. Spend time in the things of God. Don't let the devil deceive you out of your blessings. You believe that God loves you. If you believe that God loves you, you need to listen to what he says and let his life be the life that you choose and that you live. Um, Solomon's presented two different ways. He says there's the way of wisdom and there's the way of foolishness. And it's not about how smart a person is. It's just about the choice that you make, whether you follow God or whether you follow this world. 
And the sad tragedy is many in the church follow the world's path. They give God a token nod once in a while, but they're really following the world's path. I'm going to tell you something. You follow the world's path, you're going to miss the blessing that God has for you. You choose to put him first in your life. You choose to listen to what he has to say. You choose to invest in the word of God and in being in the, in the house of God and let God build his character into your life and into your family and see what God will do. Uh, one of the scriptures says, I'm, I was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. You know what he's saying? He said, I have found in living for God over time that God is faithful. So, first strategy of the devil is he tricks us. He tries to get us to doubt what God is saying. Can't you eat from any tree in the garden? He, he misrepresents what God said. God didn't say that. So he tricks us. That's the first strategy. Secondly, he twists. He tricks and he twists. Verse, verse uh, 1 says, you can't eat from any tree in the garden. You ever had a friend that said, your parents won't let you do that? You know, uh, That's kind of what the devil's doing here. He's trying to make them look at their God as somebody who's just, just trying to steal their joy, trying to take away their fun. I can't believe God would say something like that. He twists what God has said. God said, what did God say? God said, from every tree of the garden you may eat, except for one. Can you imagine what that would be like, just to have one thing to remember in your relationship with God? Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to go to a seminar. There's just one thing. Just don't eat of that tree. That's all, that's all that God requires. Oh, your God, is, he's just... He's just a tyrant. He just wants to take your fun. He twists what God says. Uh, there's, there's some th- things out there uh, done by some of these new atheists that will take scriptures and they will twist them and, and use them to say things about God that aren't true. Uh, Satan will twist his, uh, God's word in the cults as well. Uh, one of the interesting things, if you ever talk to somebody who is a, a cultist and, and you know, a Mormon Jehovah's Witness or something like that, uh, what you'll find is if you ask them what they mean by a certain word that they use, when they give you a definition, it will be different than the definition you know. Why? Because Satan has twisted God's truth. There's an element of God's truth there, but he's twisted it and, and changed it into something different to lead them astray. That's why you need to know the word of God. Because you will recognize. That's what Jesus did when he quoted that scripture. After Satan quoted scripture to him. Did you know the devil uses scripture? I used to have a buddy in high school that used to go around saying. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we're dead. He probably didn't even know he was quoting scripture. <laughs> but uh, he just liked that. You know, well, let's eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow we're dead. Let's have a good time. But he was taking that out of context. See, that's what the devil does. So you need to know the context. One of the most frustrating things when somebody is trying to talk to you who, who is a member of a cult will be when you point out the context of scripture to them. 
I, I was, I was uh, talking with some Jehovah's Witnesses that came to my house in Texas, and uh, they, what they want to do is take you from one scripture to the next to build their case. And so I would stop them. I would say, okay, hang on a second. I say, before you go to that scripture, let's talk about this one. What does this mean in this context? Uh, it doesn't mean what you're saying it means. Well, you know, after I did that two or three times, they said, well, just let us finish. I said, well, no. I said, you're, you're building your argument based on these scriptures, but what you're saying about these scriptures is not true. You know, we're, we're not going to just go down this path. And so um, they left frustrated. Listen, if you know the word of God, you'll be able to more readily identify these things when the, the, the cultists or whoever twists the word of God. But when Satan twists it in your life, sometimes you and I can have a wrong understanding of Christianity. You want an example? James and John, you know, they've got these people that are kind of giving the Lord a hard time. And he says, Lord, shall we call down fire from heaven to destroy them? I mean, they, they, they were the sons of thunder. They were ready to see, you know, uh, kick tail and take names, right? I mean, they were ready. They missed the point. Jesus is trying to reach these people. And so uh, he's trying to teach them love, but they're not getting it. Did you know there's a lot of times that you and I just don't get it? And sometimes God has to bring us through a process, a correction in our understanding. Which, by the way, is one of the reasons you need to read the clean white pages occasionally in Scripture. Because sometimes there's a corrective for what your wrong understanding is. Let God teach you some new things. Um, So, the devil will twist God's truth. The best remedy for that is, first of all, look up the Scripture in its context. What does it say? There's a context of a chapter. There's a context of the biblical book. And there's a context of the Bible as a whole. And all of those are important. And sometimes those can help guide you uh, in the right interpretation of a verse of Scripture. But, but the second one is just grow in your understanding of the Word of God. As you do that, as you grow in your understanding more and more, you will be able to identify the truth. Uh, we were, we were, uh, I was looking at a scripture in Hebrews that was talking about, hey, you know, by this time you should have been teachers and you still need people to tell you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. You've got to make a decision to put forth some effort spiritually to grow in your understanding of the things of God so that you won't be led astray with every wind of doctrine. He's saying, look, when you study the Word of God, what you will learn is you will learn how to discern between good and evil. As you think about the Word of God, and by the way, you should think. I know that's kind of a bad word in our our culture today. Nobody wants to think. Give it to me now. I don't want the details. I just want to give me the... The, uh, the cliff, the TED Talk or the Cliff Notes or whatever, you know. Give me the short, abbreviated version. I don't want to think. You need to think about God's Word. Let it, let it challenge you. If something doesn't make sense, think it over. One of the reasons it may bother you is because you have a wrong understanding. And by thinking about it, you'll learn to discern better what is the real situation. So, anyway, the devil twists the Word of God and so, and we'll use it against you in that way. 
So Satan's strategy of deception, how does he do it? First of all, he tricks us. Secondly, he twists us. Thirdly, he lies. Look at verse 4. No, you will not die. You ever had somebody tell you, that's not true? Maybe it was about something uh, mechanical. I used to laugh whenever I would ask for help when I, when I was a mechanic. I'd ask eight different people and get eight different answers. Well, who's right? You know, and so you start doing it one way, and the other guy comes by and says, that's not the way you do it. You know, like, you moron, what's up? You know? and, uh, or maybe you've had somebody at school ridicule you in that way. And just say, that's not so. Listen, there are going to be people who look down their nose at the things of God. There have always been, there will always be until Jesus comes. Um, one of my favorites was uh, the fellow that said, within a generation, Christianity will be dead. Within a generation, he had died, and they opened up a Bible society in his house. <laughs> I love that. Listen, I want to tell you something. I love that bumper sticker, God's not dead. You remember the guy that was a philosopher who said, God is dead. Um, God's not dead. I spoke with him this morning. <clears throat> uh, listen, there are always going to be people who ridicule the things of God. But here's the thing. Just because somebody ridicules something doesn't make it false. There's some people that don't believe we've ever put a man on the moon. You can tell them all the reasons why uh, we, we should believe that we put a man on the moon, but they're not going to believe it. They've made their mind up. They think, well, you, you guys are deceived. You're crazy. It's a, it's, an, it's a government conspiracy, right? Nothing you say is going to change their mind. And they treat you as if you don't know what you're talking about, right? Don't let that intimidate you. Uh, one of the things... Uh, I learned in philosophy is a lot of times when people don't have an argument, they'll say it louder. God doesn't exist. Well, why do you say that? God doesn't exist. Well, why do you say that? God doesn't exist. Why? Because they don't have an argument. Now, some of them do. Okay? I don't believe they're right. But, you know, but, but a lot of times when people ridicule, it's because they have nothing to say. Don't let the devil ridicule you and lie to you. And don't treat the words of men as more important than the word of God. No, you will not die. One of the saddest things in scripture is where Cain kills Abel. And Eve stands over the grave of her son. I wonder if she thought of these words. You will not die. Surely die. She thought, what have I done? She listened to the lie. Many people listen to the lie of the devil. And there's heartache and there's trouble and there's brokenness in their life because they've listened to a lie. Instead, embrace the truth. <laughs> How do you counteract the lies of the devil? You spend time in the Word of God. I want to tell you something. One of the wisest things you could ever do is spend time in this book. You'll find information here in this book that will help you grow as a Christian, but also 
will help you in so many areas of life. And one of the things that I've noticed, the more I've studied God's Word, is just how incredibly wise it is. When I, when I read it as a teenager, <clears throat> I, I was told that it was wise, right? And I can remember read, going through the book of Proverbs and reading the book of Proverbs and trying to learn God's wisdom and learning from other things. And I heard it secondhand from others. They said, listen, you need to invest in the Word of God. You know, it, it's wise. But now I've lived a little bit longer, and I see how that wisdom translates in this life. And I've seen that it indeed, this, the wisdom that is contained in this book is unlike any other wisdom that's out there. Listen, I want to tell you, don't write, Dear Abby, go to the Word of God, right? Here's wisdom that cannot be compared. And ask God to help you understand the truths that are here because they truly have the power to change your life. Satan's strategy of deception, how does he do it? He tricks, he twists, he lies. And finally, he mixes. He mixes. Look at verse 5. He's responding to the woman. He says, in fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, she sees, she's like, she's buying it. She's drinking the Kool-Aid, okay? She is buying it hook, line, and sinker. What is the devil saying? You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Well, in one sense, it was true. In one sense, they would be like God, knowing good and evil. They would recognize their own shame. It, it, the only thing you see after this passage you don't see them going, oh, we're finally like God. They're not celebrating. They're covering themselves in shame. They have recognized for the first time the problem and the shame of sin. And their life is never going to be the same. And by the way, our lives have never been the same. The ripple effects of this sin have gone down through the generations. And all have sinned. So... Um, Satan was mixing some truth with some error. He was trying to give the impression that God's trying to keep you from being wise like him. God's trying to hold you down. He's trying to hold you back. He's not got your best interest at heart. You need to do what I'm telling you. See, what he's doing, he's mixing truth with deception, right? Sometimes it's not so much what you say, it's how you say it, right? You look beautiful today. Yeah, you look beautiful today. Right? It's how you say it. See, the devil had taken something that was true and he had twisted it to give a wrong impression. And that's what he excels at. <clears throat> He's got people convinced that if they give their hearts to Christ, they're going to miss out on the best that life has to offer when the opposite's true. I know because I believe that lie. I wrestled for a year. Well, I don't want to trust Christ. I don't want to repent of my sin because look at what I'll have to stop. And look at what I may miss. Or look at what may happen. I was believing a lie. I'm going to tell you something. I have never regretted trusting Christ. What a blessing. <clears throat> so, uh, he mixes things. So, the devil tricks, he twists, he lies, he mixes 
And the antidote to all of this is the Word of God. It enables us to see through the lies of the enemy. If you ever want to see what God's heart is towards you, turn to Isaiah 53 where it says it pleased him to crush him for us. That's God's heart for you. He loves you. He has purposes that are bigger than the, the individual uh, purposes that he has for our lives. And sometimes we don't understand the things he allows or what he's about in our life. And he's not obligated to give us an explanation for that. <clears throat> but one thing we can know, we can know that he loves us. And you know what I'm convinced? I'm convinced that the greatest meaning in life is found in being right in the center of God's will because you have an eternal consequence. Um, my dad used to have a sign hanging in his office. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Don't be deceived by the enemy. Embrace the word and the truth of God and live your life by it. Base your marriage upon it. Base your family upon it and you will be blessed. Let's pray. Father, <clears throat> thank you for your word. Thank you for how it speaks to us. And Father, thank you that... <clears throat> The tools that the enemy uses, though uh, he can be shrewd, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And thank you, Father, that Jesus' repeating of Scripture, quoting of Scripture, overcame the devil's deception. Father, I thank you for the victory that we can have through your word. I thank you, Lord, for the wisdom that is there and for how you bless us with that. And as, how we've, as we fear you, God, you, you plant these truths in our heart and you help us to live the lives you've called us to live. And we find, Lord, that you are unlike any other. You're so good. Father, if there's somebody here today that needs to trust in Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray that they would do it before it's too late. Um, Father, uh, convict their heart and draw them during this time. Give them the desire and the ability to repent of their sin and put their trust in Jesus. And Lord, if there's somebody here today that maybe has gone astray from you or maybe has been neglecting your word, Lord, I pray that they would make a decision to once again be regularly in your word. Um, Father, maybe there's somebody who uh, there's been a sin in their life. They have, they have bought a deception. Lord, I thank you for the truth that... Uh...